podcast, where we have read aloud episodes, in-character monologues, and author commentary from The Little Island and The Hungry Dog, an illustrated kids' novel being published in serial installments on Substack. In this podcast, I'll be reading from episodes or installments four, five, and six. Please bear with me as I evolve the podcast and improve the audio quality and experiment with new formats. I have a lot of fun uh, things planned, including poetry readings from Baldy the Seagull. So stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy the second half of part one of The Little Island and the Hungry Dog. The Return of Baldy the Seagull Have you returned to gloat? I asked the bird, Baldy, who settled on a branch that bobbed gently in the breeze. Outmaneuvering your lumbering physique is nothing to fluff up my feathers about. So no, I'm not here to gloat, he replied with a yawn. I'm here because I feel sorry for you, a domesticated dog marooned on an island with nothing to eat. Thanks, but I don't need your solace. No, but you might want this coconut. As the bird said this, he hopped onto one of the two coconuts growing on the tree. I can knock this one down off the tree if you'd like. I gave his surprisingly kind offer some thought. My food options were extremely limited, even more so since I found that the island's sea oats did not agree with my stomach. True, I had yet to try to wade into the shallows and catch a fish, but my traumatic experience at sea, the one that led me to being stranded, discouraged me from venturing back out into the water. Yes, yes, I know. You want to know about the traumatic experience that brought me here to the island. Thank you very much for your concern, really. I know you truly have my best interests in heart. That said, I'm not quite ready to put it into words. In good time, in good time. Having made up my mind, I started to answer, but the bird cut me off. The way I see it, you're going to have two problems once I free the coconut from the tree. One, it's likely to bounce and roll right into the ocean. And with the storm that's coming, the waves are pretty heavy right now. They could take it right out to sea. Storm, I thought to myself. Sure, there are some clouds I conceded, but nothing that looks too serious. And two, the bird continued, even if you manage to keep the coconut from rolling into the water, you've still got to break the outer skin. Do you think you can manage that? I guess that my chances for cracking open the coconut were about 50-50. But I wasn't about to let this potential meal, feeble though it may be, slip by. Even if I had to chew on the outer skin for a whole day, I was determined to reach whatever sustenance awaited me inside. After all, I'd penetrated many other barriers before, my forgiving master Ziploc bags, cereal boxes, low-fat yogurt, yuck, packaging. This shouldn't be too much harder, right? The sun had already set and risen two times by my count. I was more hungry than I had ever been in my admittedly pampered life. I'm ready, I said, lifting my nose in the air, the thought of a coming storm still circulating in my mind. Go ahead and knock the coconut off the tree. To catch a coconut. It took Baldy a few minutes to get his feathered body bobbing in just the right way, and with the right amount of force to free the coconut from the tree. Unfortunately, I'd stopped to scratch myself just when the blasted fruit plopped on the ground next to me, hit a rock, and spun off into the surf. Don't you want to go in and get it? the bird asked me. No, I certainly did not, though I struggled to explain to the bird why I was so afraid of the water. Let's try the second coconut. I replied. Are you sure? 
You've only got one more chance. There are no more coconuts in the little tree. Yes, I'm sure. And so Baldy danced atop the second, this time freeing it in only a few seconds. I was ready and pounced on the thick-skinned fruit like it was a fumbled football. And like a fumbled football, I know all this because my master loves to watch football on Sunday afternoons, it spurted right between my two front paws and went sideways along the shoreline. Kicking up wet sand and seashells, I pivoted and pounced again, only to knock it further away and down a slope so that it was now gently bobbing in shallow water. Suddenly emboldened, I waded into the water and tried to grab it with my mouth, but my teeth just couldn't get a hold of the coconut's slick green outer layer. With every bite attempt, I pushed it further away and was soon nearly up to my neck in water. I barely registered that a light rain had begun to fall and was wetting my back, the only part of my body that was still dry. Reluctantly, I climbed back up the shore and turned to watch the coconut float away like a pirate ship loaded with treasure. The other coconut was even further from shore and was only visible when a wave lifted it in the air as if to taunt me. A sudden gust of wind swept across the island and I sheltered next to the coconut tree. For once, Baldy was quiet and seemed to recognize my growing despair. Multiple times I walked back down to the water's edge, hoping to find that the coconuts were somehow finding their way back to shore. But no such luck. They were caught in the swirl of the sea and being spun away faster and farther from the island. You'll want to stay as close to the tree as possible when the storm hits, Baldy said in a quiet voice, for a bird, before spreading his wings and somehow levitating into a current of air that whipped him high above the island. A minute or so later, he flew by and called to me, saying he would return and check on me after the storm. Sobered by my failure to catch the coconut, I pretended I didn't hear him and stared out into the frothing gulf. The Big Storm Not counting baths, which I hate, and the disaster that beached me on this lonely little island, the coming storm left me more wet and waterlogged than I have ever remember feeling. Sure, I've been in rainstorms while out on a walk with my master. She's elderly and walks kind of slow. No offense if you're a slow-walking human. And so we have found ourselves in our share of rain showers and sudden downpours. But this, ooh, this was something else altogether. Every gust of wind seemed to topple a mile-high wall of water right on top of me. The measly, now coconut-less palm, could only shield my nose from the worst of it. And when the waves of water reached the tree, I had to retreat to the rocks that marked the middle and highest point of the island. Even then I was battered on every side by the wind and rain. When a particularly strong gust of wind would strike me on my nose, I would whirl around and look for another crevice in which I could shield my face. I suppose experiencing that storm on the island felt a little like being locked inside a clothes washer on high spin and cold rinse. I'd never had the um, privilege, but some of my stuffed plushy animal friends have, and they say it's just terrible. My master's ancient childhood Teddy said his last experience in the washer was especially traumatic. The worst part, you think it's all over, the spinning stops, the water has all drained out of the drum, and then, without a warning, the machine, or in my case, the storm, starts up all over again. Another high-efficiency spin, turning you round and round, another jet of cold water blasting you in the eyeballs. Oh well, eventually, the storm did subside. Clouds still lingered, but the setting sun backlit them with refractions of all sorts of pretty colors. 
I can't tell you exactly what the sky looked like since dogs like me are part colorblind, so you'll just have to let your imagination run wild. I'm just sure it was a terribly beautiful sky. The night that followed, though, while not my first on the island, would feel like the longest of my life. I was wet. I was super-duper hungry. And truth be told, I was beginning to miss old snarky, bossy Baldy. In fact, I was wondering where he flies off to during storms when I finally collapsed into a deep sleep. 